Skippity-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee. The Review Podcast, yeah. Hi, welcome to the Review Podcast. My name's Anthony. And I'm Bree. And this is a podcast in which we review movies. And then we review movies. We take a movie that one of us has seen at least one time and uh, take it, watch it. Talk about it on the pod. All the good, all the bad. All the every, ugly. And all the ugly. Everything in between. We talk about, we try not to poo-poo on the movies, but we love the movies. Hi, Bree. Hi, Anthony. What movie are we talking about today? Today, we are doing a special episode of the Review Podcast, and we are reviewing Halloween Ends. Okay, so this is a special episode because... We're going based on a first viewing each. Also, it's a special episode because this finishes up our Halloween, like, whole series. Like, okay, so we started this podcast in January of this past year, and we went through and burned through every single Halloween movie. And I would not recommend going back and listening to those because the audio, I tried, the audio quality is almost unlistenable, but, um... Only the true fans will have been there since the beginning. The review heads. The review heads. <laughs> I'm looking at you, AP politics students. <laughs> um, so I, um, I, I like doing these special episodes like we did with Jurassic Park Dominion, where this is just to cap off a franchise that we've been talking about, and it's the first viewing. It's not the reviewing. It's the first viewing of a movie for us. We didn't even take notes. No, because we just want to enjoy it. Yeah, so a little, uh, little side story here. Now, we, th- we're we recording this on 10-15. Like, it just came out. Like, it just came out yesterday. We're, we've digested it slightly since last night. Brie has bronchitis, so we didn't go to the movie theater yeah, we to watched watch on, it. Yeah, we watched it on Peacock because um, we, t- we took a really long look at ourselves, and I was like, I just got diagnosed with bronchitis. I'm on cough suppressants, but I'm still coughing. I'm just not coughing like every second of the day anymore. Your coughs are not as dry no, as they No, they're wet coughs now. Slop. <laughs> Let's slop them up. Because, okay, so they were really dry coughs before because I was dr- coughing so much. It wasn't a productive cough. And I went to a nurse practitioner at a minute clinic inside of CVS because my doctor has no appointments at her office for like three weeks. And I'm coughing and just feeling like this now. And our wedding is next weekend. It would have already happened by the time this we're comes time out. traveling right we're now. Like we're traveling. all in spaceships. We're time traveling. We're recording this from a spaceship. You're listening to this a week after our wedding. We're already married. Hello, bride of review. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, we just decided it, would, it would be best for both of us. We. Decided we were going to go to Meyer, our favorite store, and buy some snackaronis. We got a big freaking monster Slim Jim. Which oh, I that call, was so good Which last I called a, a Fat James. Uh, no, you said Thick James. A Thick James. I was like, okay, so how linked we are in our brains. Like, we've been together so long. Seven that I, years. I think we... 
can read each other's minds. And we've talked about this before where it's like sometimes we'll say things and I'm like, I was just about to say that. So Brie brings out this like monster Slim Jim that she bought from and the store. If you store. don't know, it's the... It's, it's Fat Boy. It's what, um, what's his name? Macho Man Randy yeah, Savage. Yeah, it's, it's a Macho Man Randy Savage Slim Jim. And if you don't know, those things are like a quarter size around. Yeah, it's like thick. They're, they're so, big boys. So Brie brings out, she's like, you want to eat this? <laughs> I was like, I absolutely, I want to eat this Slim Jim. And we were just watching the video of Nancy Pelosi snapping into a Slim Jim on January 6th. And I was like, yeah, we need to snap into one. Um, so Brie brings out the Slim Jim. And he's like, oh, and the Slim Jim. I was Slim like, Jim. oh, man, this Slim Jim is huge. And she's like, it's not a Slim Jim. It's a Thick James. And I was like, ah, I was just about to say those exact words. I was literally just about to say Thick James. <laughs> and she beat me to it like half a second if you would have given me half a second it would have came out i think it's not it, we we share one brain but i'm like the the twin that like came out first so i'm just like a little bit faster she always does that she beats me to the punchline oh because i'm hilarious Can we have the same punchline i know it's like <laughs> and then he'll laugh because he's like I he's like my brain was also going there so he'll laugh at the joke that it I was like the with. one time we were in the Buffalo Wild Wings and we were talking I think I mentioned this on the podcast at one point but we were talking about how Disney lost the rights to Ice Age oh yes and they regained them back but I was like I was like this is the <laughs> I said oh we're about to be introduced to Scrat's younger brother and then, and then we both said Scrot at the same time and just started dying in the Buffalo Wild Wings it's really funny. Yeah, it was, our brain went to the same dirty joke. <laughs> I mean, you spend seven years with the same person, like you're gonna share a brain. Also, it helps that Anthony and I literally, I don't know, we don't really argue that much, and we've had a really, really good relationship. We argue about stupid stuff. Yeah. Like, like about not having the enough laundry, time. The laundry. That wasn't an argument. That uh -uh. was just me saying, I'm sick of so the cat has is old and the oh, cat okay my cat i've n had my cat since she was like a kitten with blue eyes like too young to be away from mom because she was the kitten of a outdoor cat that abandoned mittens her. mittens has been in the game before me like mittens i've had mittens, long before I i've had arrived. mittens since i was in middle school so when mittens came to live with us when we moved in together, it was fine. But now Mittens is how old? She's like 16, 16 years old. And so, she, I mean, she's she's getting old. So what she's started doing is like she won't, she won't use her litter box if there's already stuff in the litter box. Like if there's like one little turd inside the litter box, she'll just like defecate and everywhere. And it's usually not a problem because we clean her litter box like three times a day yeah but we cannot control when we're what, not home when we're not home and we're not home for a good portion of the day because we both work at school so when she makes like one turd in the litter box and has to go again she'll just like shit all over our bedroom and i usually come home before brie and i'm the one that has to clean it up all the time and, and is, she she proceeds to then puke okay, all over so our bed mittens has some health underlying health issues that stem from like she has like, a urinary bladder like problem. She has medicated food for it. One of the side effects is like when she has to poop, it's like 
it's like all the poop that has been building up in this cat she for explodes days. yeah it's like she explodes and then she poops so much that she pukes and then like she she'll like puke up <sighs> like the poop Gosh. the poop was such a traumatic experience for her that she then proceeds to puke after welcome to the rated r version I know. of the review podcast. but anyway anthony gets home before me because i work extra hours after work to make sure like i can bring some extra money in because i have more student loans than he does and i have to make sure that i'm like i'm making enough money to cover that so i work like i don't i work through my lunch hour so i get extra money there and then i work an hour after school doing tutoring to earn extra money there so i just work really late and we were fine with it we talked about that that was like one of the first th before i do like anything where i'll be gone longer i ran it past him he's like yeah it's fine with me uh, and i explained like i'll be home way later than normal because now my gym will be pushed back and everything and we, it was a talk that we had and um it's only for this school year if like and i can end it at any t like you know it's, but it's tough some days because and damn it i forgot to ask my mom about um watching the dog and we were just on the phone with my mom um that's a a, a backstage review <laughs> issue that we're facing right now um, it, it's sucks because like we're gone all day and we have to take care of the dog and he's in the pen all day and we come home at a good time where i mean he's at his limit like when i take him out and i come Ready. home at 4 30 like he needs to go out so i have been planning more and more with my uh club that i i co-moderate at the school and we are doing more stuff with the club this year so that means more time i i stay after school so like this upcoming week we're running a model united nations like role-playing game for two days which means i don't leave school until around 4 30 4 45 and it takes me like an hour hour and a half to get home and my problem is i don't leave school till 4 30 4 45 and it takes me an hour to get home yeah so, so i don't want the dog to be waiting and waiting and waiting until like 6 6 30 to have to go to the bathroom you so know? we just we had to figure out i mean it doesn't happen often when just we overlap once in, like that once in a while and usually we're good about coordinating usually like when i have like, like nhs induction one night and, and usually i'll can't I'll like open i'll house. i have the ability to cancel the tutoring after school like i'm canceling what will be weeks before this podcast comes out, but this coming week I'm canceling my tutoring on Wednesday and Thursday because Wednesday um, we have, uh, I have my hair getting done um, and stuff. And Thursday um, I, we're doing our rehearsal and Friday we don't, uh, we don't usually have tutoring anyway, but I just, I put it out when I started tutoring these two days, tutoring's canceled um pick your kid up mm -hmm. <laughs> because i'm not and i'm gonna send home like a little slip in, with them in their folder just to remind parents hey like tutoring is not happening on wednesday and thursday this week because i have other stuff to do yeah. and like all my all my parents of the kids in my class know that i'm getting married so it's not like a surprise like oh same yeah it's not a surprise like this is why i'm not doing this because of i have i'm getting married and i already told parents i'm like i'm not gonna be here friday 
So the kids will have a substitute on Friday, and that's just how it is. Yeah. Well, um, let's not let's not beat around the bush here, Bree, because I don't foresee this episode being very long, and I don't want to use all of our um, like. BSing and teeing because we also have another episode that we need to record tomorrow or Monday um, for before we take the, our the episode prolong, that came out yeah. last week. If you're listening to this right now, um, but we wanted to do this episode because it's fresh in our brain. It's fresh. We didn't take any notes on it, and we didn't want to wait. Quite honestly, I don't want to rewatch. <laughs> I'm going to rewatch the movie, but. Um, I don't. I don't really want to. And I told Bree this when we finished, because you know we talk before the podcast about what our thoughts are in the movie, and then sometimes we just regurgitate the conversation on the podcast. So uh, I I told her I'm actually kind of glad we didn't go see this in theaters, and we watched it on the streaming service because there are certain parts of the horror movie audiences. Like, let's preface this with horror movie audiences are terrible sometimes you can either have a really great experience in a theater with a horror audience where everybody's into it and everyone is like scared and you're like vibing along with the rest of the crowd or you can have an absolutely terrible audience for a horror movie where you got like teenagers that are like yelling things out at the screen or like people are laughing and uh interrupting the movie and things like that when we saw smile a few weeks ago we had one of those really bad horror movie yeah, audiences dramatic no 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 it was kids being kids no screw that every teenager thinks that they're the funniest person in the world when they're didn't actually you, didn't you though when you were a teenager yeah and i was dumb i got yelled at when i was a teenager when i went and saw the unborn in the theaters because it was such a bad movie yeah, but like Smile wasn't bad. Per I know, se. but like I, when you're a, like a teenager, it's it's funny to be like, I'm not scared. This movie's fake. Blah, 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 but blah. it's it's the whole thing of like, I have the the cojones to say like to yell something in a crowded theater so that everybody can hear me because I'm so confident that I'm the funniest person in this room right now. And it's like, sounds no, like dude, a you're not. Sounds the like a teenage me. You're not the funniest person mm. in the room. Um, I would disagree. I'm hilarious. Well, no, I'm talking about the teenagers that were like yelling stuff and smile, and the middle-aged women that were like literally chit-chatting the whole movie that were like in the row to our left. Sometimes you get really bad horror. Also, the guy that sat next to me that just was reeked, dank, dank, reeked of marijuana, reeked of marijuana to a point that I was like, "Listen, I'm uh, one of my students reeks of marijuana every day." Probably parents, because the parents like smoke a lot of marijuana. But I was like, "But I'm you like, have this to realize poor how child, bad you smell." I got this poor sm child smells so bad, and it's not because he actually smells bad. It's because whoever is like they they're smoking in their home and this poor kid everything he wears his hair it's the same everything thing. It's, it's reeks of marijuana i don't understand people sometimes when it's like i smoke it's the same thing with cigarettes like i smoke weed and i don't care about how bad i smell and now everybody knows how bad i smell you ha and i'm not saying like i do that i'm just using it as an example for anybody that's listening i don't smoke. Uh, but, I mean, um, um, Mystery View podcast smells like whatever cologne 
Mrs. Review Podcast buys him. And that's me, because by the time you're listening to this, I am Mrs. Review Podcast. Yeah, okay, yeah, like we said, we time traveled. So, like, we're recording this the day after Halloween ends, releases, um, on October 15th. However, this isn't going to come out until, I believe, October 29th, like, right before Halloween. So, like, happy Halloween from the Review Podcast. <laughs> we have okay there we go um re we oh rehab uh uh time this absolutely perfectly because this is going to come out the last after the last episode of our chucky series and this is also going to cap off our halloween franchise viewing and it's going to lead us into a prolonged an, break. A prolonged break that we're taking so is this the season finale because like when I'm when I'm on our podcasting platform, I can put like seasons. Should I make this our season? I think finale? this is a perfect season finale. Yeah, this is a good season finale for us. So. And then we're gonna take a season break, and then we'll come back and. Uh, we'll take a little bit of a break. I think we're gonna be gone about a month. And come back in December, ready to rock. Like I no, uh, I think we planned it out. We're gonna come back right before Thanksgiving, because then we're gonna start our next franchise. What do we want to say? You go ahead. Uh, it's going to be holiday-based. So we're going to do a bunch of holiday movies that aren't necessarily holiday movies, but have the backdrop of Halloween movies. H holiday movies. You said Halloween. Oh, did I say Halloween? <laughs> I got Halloween on the brain. So we're, we're thinking along the lines of movies that take place like during thanksgiving time or during christmas time but the main focus isn't the holiday it's other things that are happening so like movies that are on our brains now you mentioned die hard i don't want to do die hard unless we do the entire franchise so i'm nixing die hard um i'm thinking home alone home alone with, like, no, but home alone is a christmas no movie. it's not yes it is because it takes place they leave for a christmas they trip they leave for a christmas trip but his the actual movie is not it's a home invasion movie <laughs> but okay home alone 2 is a christmas movie for yes, sure for sure yeah this one not so much gremlins oh, gremlins that's the one i said right away and i was like i'm on board gremlins. i love gremlins um i'm trying to think of some other ones off the top of my head i requested santa claus is coming to town but i said we could do some actual holiday movies especially the closer the podcast gets to christmas mm -hmm. because you know the elf would be a good you know you movie. girl love Christmas. Yeah. Um I Bree, I'm sorry. I cannot watch Jim Carrey's uh, uh How the Grinch Stole Christmas again. Anthony, I watch it every year. I know you do. Eat your own shorts. <laughs> I just like I Consume can't do it. Your pantalones. You know what we should do instead of for like Christmas time? And I'm just like I'm riffing right now. He's riffing. I'm riffing. Um You know what we should do and tell me what you think. Instead of doing an episode that's based on a Christmas movie, we should do an episode that's based on, like, three or four episodes of Christmas television. Like, the Spongebob Christmas special. And the, the other Christmas, like Spongebob the, Christmas special. The, no, just the one. Um, the other one, Spongebob Christmas special. The uh, Simpsons, like, a Simpsons Christmas episode, a South Park Christmas episode, things like that. You know. Also, it's important to note that every year, Anthony and I, on Christmas Eve, watch the SpongeBob SquarePants Christmas special. Every year we've been together. Mm -hmm. 
crazy traditions. Yeah, and then normally... Santa's coming tonight, tonight. Santa's coming tonight. Normally we'll watch Santa's like coming. the Futurama Christmas episode with Santa. Um, normally we'll watch like the Christmas Simpsons episode with um, uh, the Grumple. I, I don't think anyone heard my gasp. Maybe you did. Yeah, I, just, I did. I just realized. I didn't know what you were gasping about. I just though. realized that this year we're not going to be like in our home. On Christmas Eve? Oh, shoot. How are yeah, we gonna, I know. You're right. How are we going to watch our SpongeBob Christmas special? I don't know. I don't even think I'll have my computer with me on our honeymoon. I'm not bringing my computer. Are you kidding me? Let's put it in your carry-on. I'm not bringing my computer. But how are we going to watch the SpongeBob SquarePants Christmas special? I don't know. On my phone or on your phone? We can sign into Amazon or whatever. No. <laughs> All right. Well, well, that that's our idea of what we want to do for the next round of the review podcast to begin season two. Um, when we t- when we think franchises, it's tough to come up with something to commit to for franchises because most of these like big name things have like a bajillion movies to them. It took us so long to get through Halloween, and like Bree's like we should do Friday the Thirteenth, and I said. There's like 15 Friday the 13th movies. I don't know if I like I'm going to burn myself out if we if we do a, a large franchise like that again. Um, my students who are listening to this have complained about the um, Child's Play franchise. They said, you got to stop doing Chucky movies. We're, we're getting tired of it. I said, but we got to do the Who entire Who asked fran- you? Yeah. Yeah. Come on, kids. Who we, asked you? They, they really want us to do American Psycho. So maybe I've never one, seen it. And she has said no whenever I... That's a lie. That's, we could roll the tape lie. because there has been a review podcast where I have said, let's watch it. So It's on the shorts. list. It's on the list. Maybe that'll be our uh, our season premiere is uh, the out of order American Psycho. So, Brie, we're about, I don't know, close to 20 minutes into this thing right now. We did not take any notes on this no, movie. No, we did not. Do you so, want to get down to it? So let's get into it. Okay, I I can talk about a little tiny bit of background information on this movie that oh, I've Oh, I was heard. just going to dive right in. No, we can't dive about right in. About to dive in. This is not a movie in which we can dive into just without prefacing some things and without talking about some things because I think that the, the crux of this movie okay. and there's some... Go, just tell us all the oh stuff. My, you moved your mic, and I don't know how it's going to sound. I'm hoping that it doesn't sound terrible. Just go and talk about stuff. I moved it because I slouched. So, the um, we're, we're talking Halloween ends today. We're capping off our uh, Halloween franchise that we started way back when in January. And I think our last episode of... Halloween was kills and we did that in I want to say April I think April was the last time we've covered Halloween and when we ended the Halloween kills podcast we said this isn't a goodbye this is a see you later because in October Halloween ends comes and we'll drop that podcast and we'll talk about it now the time has come just as Halloween ends our Halloween franchise viewing comes to an end as well cries cries ever tim um so let's talk halloween ends it just released 
not too long ago, released on October 14th, 2022, streaming on Peacock while also simultaneously releasing in theaters. Don't know why we made that decision, but I'm not complaining about it. This movie was heavily impacted by COVID. And yes, very much so. I think that's the one thing we have to preface when talking about this movie is the story is, and I don't know if director David Gordon Green ever confirmed this 100%, but in 2018 when, or 2017, I guess when they announced that they're going to redo Halloween, they're going to start from scratch. They said, this is going to be a blank slate. We're going back to basics. And then you release Halloween 2018. And, you know, uh, some people complained about it. I really enjoyed that movie. You really enjoyed that movie. I feel like I can rewatch that movie over and over again and be fine. If I do a back-to-back -back viewing of Halloween 78 and Halloween 2018, I'm going to have a good time. And it's like a concurrent story. But then Halloween Kills comes out last year. And prior to this, they announced, okay, we are finally going to cap off this franchise. We're going to come out with Halloween Kills. And then the year later, we're going to come out with Halloween Ends. And they didn't say it was going to do this, but... The, I, I think the rumor was that it was going to take place, all three movies were going to take place in one night. And we we're going to finally end Halloween. Now we can say we're going to end Halloween, but are we really going to end Halloween? Probably not. And we can talk about that later. But COVID heavily impacts this movie because Halloween Kills was supposed to come out in October 2020. And then it was it was going to be shot back to back with Halloween ends. So when COVID hits and we're in the process of trying to maybe release Halloween kills, production gets shut down and the world shuts down. And then David Gordon Green and Danny McBride recalibrate this movie and they say, no, we're going to start from scratch and we're going to uh, since Halloween kills is going to get delayed a full year. And it's not going to come out in 2020. It's going to come out in 2021. We're going to recalibrate. We're going to rewrite this movie. And we're going to film it according to the revised script. And we're going to account for the four years lost between Halloween 2018 and when Halloween Ends is going to release. So I think that the that decision really impacts the final product of what we see. Because I think that there's elements in this movie that especially in that last act of this movie that were taken straight from a version of this movie in which it took place on the same night. I think that there are elements there that they kept. But gosh, Brie. Right. I feel like the ending of this movie could have occurred the same night. And I think it was planned to. So this is a bizarre movie. It's bizarre. This is a complete... Uh, I didn't hate it as much as I uh, no I didn't I'm not going to say Mr. I hate review it. Review podcast hated it. I I did not hate it. You disliked it enough to tell me you disliked it. I I don't think it's a bad movie. He's I lying just to don't you. Think, review. I just no stop. <laughs> you're you're putting words in my mouth. Um, I don't think that this is a bad movie. I think that this is not a Halloween movie. And I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna stick to my guns on that because that was my immediate reaction when I, when we finished the movie and Bree and I were talking about it. I said, "This didn't feel like a Halloween movie. 
this was it, whereas we have a vibe and a tone that we've set up to be a Halloween movie in 2018 and even in Halloween Kills this one takes such a drastic turn in direction and there she goes ah ah there we go oh my god Oh no, free. Um, are you good? I hope. <laughs> and so, um, where this movie doesn't have that vibe, it takes a drastically different direction. It's so weird the direction that it takes. And she's about to have a coughing fit again. <coughs> I wish I could talk over it, but I can't. <laughs> I wish I did. I'm sorry, I wish I didn't have to cough so much, but on account of the bronchitis. <laughs> on account of the bronchitis. Even um, with the cough suppressant that I was prescribed, I still am coughing. So I, I I wanna I wanna bring it up to you, Bree. Before we knew what Halloween ends was going to be, after you've seen Halloween kills, because you're really good at riffing like this. I'm a good riffer. Where do where could you have thought that this movie was gonna go after the events of halloween kills. okay so after he kills karen it's like we're thinking about what would happen next well obviously they think it's over the and michael has gotten away decimated right <laughs> I, i'd be like okay i'm gonna go up to check on my daughter if i'm uh, if I'm Lori Strode, I'm going to check out. And then she sees it. Ah, Michael. Everyone. Everyone knows Michael's still out there, right? Meekle. 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 And then there's another person in this town who has a run-in with Michael. Instead of, you know, Michael just chopping this guy. He's, Michael's wounded. Michael's struggling. It's the immediate wounding, yeah. right? Like, he's not, like, we don't wait four years yeah, to have Yeah, he's the... wounded. Nothing is healed. Like, he is actively bleeding, actively, like, in pain. Meets another person. This person, like, has been a down on his luck guy. I Our opening scene, which I'm not going to talk about right now. We'll get to it when we go beat by beat. But D- down on his luck the guy. The opening scene can happen in a movie where it takes place on the same night. Right. Right. Like, down on his luck guy, like, he is just not very popular. Maybe he gets bullied a lot. Um, That's a whole other thing in this movie, but we'll, we'll get to the down, bullies down, later. Down on his luck guy, like, just kind of like, you know, an unpleasant person. Like, not, like I'm thinking... Corey isn't an unpleasant person. But I'm thinking in my version how I would write it. You would think that because he's an we don't have person? Because we don't have the time to do the character development of Years of Torment. Yeah. We have one night. So, Donna is, like, not, not like, a sympathetic guy. Like, a guy who's just, like, weird and, like, unpleasant to be around. And, like, people just don't like him. And he perceives it as people bullying him. But he's just, like, a weird kid. Like, always says inappropriate stuff. Like, has dabbled with, like, animal, like, hurting animals. So, he's already predisposed. He's already predisposed to becoming somewhat killery has a run-in with michael is able to overpower michael right and then we have because of michael's wounds because of michael's wounds and then develops this kind of like pair like 
parasitic relationship with Michael where now they're they're out both of them are out and it's like he's assisting Michael with the murders and then we have this moment of like where we have like this copycat but it's not really there are two killers running around really and he's getting revenge on all the people who have he perceives to have torment him while the town is still actively searching. searching for Michael. And then we get like this whole, like we get this, we think we got Michael when this guy dies, but then Michael shows up at Lori's residence after they think they've already gotten Michael. But Lori's in the hospital, keep in mind and kills. And I think that but you like, can still do because everyone's like, well, I guess you couldn't do it on one night because Lori was like in the hospital for a stab wound. But Michael's also terribly injured. So like you've nerfed Michael to a point where even an injured Lori Strode can still take him down. You know what I mean? I'm thinking Lori like gets out of the hospital to go home like and everything, everything. And then uh, because her daughter died. Like, she's going home and dealing with that. And then Michael's in her home. And then we have the big showdown that we had at the end. That's how I would have done this movie. Yeah. If it I, was done in the same night. I think you can do it in one night. And I think that's a good way of doing it in one night. Is where you can you can take I, elements I didn't of the say final I, product. I, I would have picked someone more school shooter-esque as my male Michael... Like copycat, I I think we I told Bree this. I think we lost out on a really good opportunity here to use Cameron Cameron Elam, who dies in Halloween Kills Allison's boyfriend. I think we lost out on a good opportunity if we were going to set this four years apart to keep Cameron alive, have him recover. But that moment where he has that run-in with Michael inside the Myers house and, and Halloween Kills, that's the thing that sets him off, right? Like, it's four years of the trauma from it, that run-in with Michael that influences him or, like, this idea of Michael passing on that evil. And I told you, so we had this this talk and he's like, Michael, it's it's hard to understand like where they're going with this. Is it is when Michael looked in somebody's eye, does he pass on? And I'm like, is it in like another franchise of this movie? That's exactly what he does. What in Halloween five? You think or Halloween four? Is it when he passes on his evil to um, what's her name? Jamie. Yeah. Well, kind of, but. That timeline is more supernatural based, but than this. It's, it's it's like the same kind of like. Shtick. But is Michael to Corey in this movie? I think is Michael passing on I the think, evil, or is he is he triggering think, something that's already there? In my in while well, in my version, it'd be triggering something that's already there. It's similar to school shooters. It's always they're they're disturbed individuals. Mm -hmm. There, it's not bullying. It's not social outcastness that triggers them to do this it's they are disturbed i think in this movie though we make a good argument for um i don't want to i don't know because we're, we're going out of order and no that i guess that's fine because like people who are listening to this podcast have pretty 
had had to have seen the movie. If if you're listening to this, you probably saw the yeah, movie. Yeah, don't, don't 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 listen to this don't if don't you listen haven't to seen this the movie. If you haven't watched um, it. So Corey and and Lori in this movie are kind of foil characters to each other. They're the same. They're really the same it's character. Like who Lori Lori had and an Corey encou- says this later. Lori encountered Michael and came out still good at her foundation a good person but it's also because of how everybody treated Lori after your survivor how after her encounter with michael so Corey has the same encounter with michael stares into his eyes the same way Lori stared into his eyes but something else triggered in Corey, and it was the it was the nurture aspect of this where Lori, Lori was treated lo- as a survivor, so and she, she was treated as a hero. And she also had a loving home with parents who loved her, a good environment to grow up in, whereas our character Corey came from a family that was disturbed. Yeah, the mom kisses him on the mouth while the dad and is just like, you I've, need to find somebody to I've love you. I've heard about this before, though. Fuck? I've yeah. heard about this. It's where like adult women moms have adult sons and they have like this para romantic relationship with their son because they're not getting that love and nurturing from their own husband so they develop kind of an inappropriate relationship with their son there's that brief moment in this movie where she kisses him on the mouth and she has like this unhealthy like gross. you can't stay out with these women you can't where are you like very uh, protective of her adult son and it's this is a type of abuse um, but like, and then the stepdad just kind of like watches this go on, and there's this really weird scene where, like, in the middle of the movie, when Corey is already like taking shape, I guess you would say, um, when he's already like doing bad things, and mom kisses him on the mouth, and the stepdad just they cut over to him, and he's like, "I hope you find somebody to love you." And then that's like it for that scene. And it's such a weird edit and it's such a weirdly directed scene. This whole movie is like just weird like that. But I I think we're getting ahead of ourselves with this conversation. And I want to revisit this conversation of Corey versus Laurie and having these characters that are perfect foils for one another. Um, And and I just want to go back to basics here in talking about this and just general... Uh, general beginnings of this movie by saying how different of a direction we took with this movie and why it might not be the best direction to take it. So as I was telling Brie last night after our viewing of it, it was pretty clear where David Gordon Green wanted to take this, this trilogy, especially in Halloween Kills. Like, we're discussing more the influence of Michael Myers and the influence of evil over this town and like this harbor this like lingering evil that Michael Myers brings and how it triggers like bad things in people and in Halloween kills it triggers this mob mentality where they killed an innocent guy and yes. um it comes back to bite them eventually because the mob gets decimated by Michael Myers at the end of Halloween kills so I get like the theme that they were going for that Green maybe wanted to take this last movie and 
okay, let's progress further with that idea of it's not Michael Myers that's the that's the threat. It's the idea of Michael Myers or the the influence of the evil that Michael Myers brings to this town that could trigger another Michael Myers. You know, it's this lingering evil over this town, this dark cloud over this town that pretty negatively influences people. And at the beginning of the movie, they kind of established this too when Laurie is giving that monologue about how it's been four years since they saw Michael Myers, and in that four years, we're still getting murders, but they're not from Michael Myers, right? We're still getting murders on Halloween in that four years, but we established, like, two people were they're, found in a car w with gunshots to the head, it's like and they're like, Mike, Michael Myers doesn't use guns. So we get this idea that even though Michael Myers isn't actively present and out there— the influence and the evil has been kind of overtaking this town. And it, it gets to a, a breaking point where how can we influence another Michael Myers? Is, an, is, is a Michael Myers born or is a Michael Myers created, you know, like from other people's inf like, is it nature? Or is it nurture type thing? If I'm Rob Zombie, Brie, if I'm Rob Zombie, and I'm Rob Zombie's Dr. Loomis. I'm saying that Michael was created in a perfect balance of nature versus nurture and a perfect ecosystem of he was already predisposed to this sort of behavior, but he also grew up in like a really crappy family. And mm -hmm. it was this cocktail. If I'm Dave and Gordon Green, I might be saying the same thing, right? Where Corey might have already had a predisposition towards violence. And then due to, like, but, where he grew up in a house where the mom was, like, nutty in a, and then with what happened to him and then how the t town treated him, it created even more problems. Yeah. And I was trying to get... I told Bree, I feel like I've seen the first half of this movie before. And I was trying to put my finger on it, like, where I've seen this movie before... And I think I've come up with three ideas, one more than the others. Do you want to hear them? Yes, of course. Um, I mentioned Twilight to you. <laughs> and I, it's, it's the romance aspect that I think it's like Twilight where Allison is so taken by Corey and his like... Uh, this idea that she's somebody that he hasn't really like experienced, she hasn't experienced before. You know what I mean? I, I got like a Twilighty vibe out of it. Here's another one. You ready? Uh huh. A Star is Born. What? <laughs> I, I feel like I've seen this movie before. The older um, veteran taking somebody under their wing. Oh. And like. <laughs> Not that Michael and Corey had a romantic relationship, but it's also like between Michael's relationship with Corey and Corey's relationship to Allison, I think we've we can get a Star is Born type vibe out of that. Um, and then the third one, I don't know if you've seen this movie before. Have you ever seen Christine? Uh, it, I think it's a Stephen King book, but was made into a movie by John Carpenter. Christine is about a... Um, a possessed car that what yeah 
uh, like a living car essentially that commits murders but the character arnie cunningham who is i guess i think cory is heavily based even the last name is heavily based off cory cunningham um arnie cunningham and christine when the car starts to murder people it starts to influence him a little bit and he becomes like corrupted and he becomes like confident and he starts dressing like a greaser and everything <laughs> it's like the same thing happens to Corey. this is a coming of age movie this isn't a horror movie like this is a coming of age movie and where i told brie i don't think that this is a halloween movie if you took out michael myers and you took out laurie strode and you took out all the references to halloween kills this is a movie about an up-and-coming serial killer. This is a coming-of-age film about a person learning to be a serial killer. And it's not Halloween. So, I, that's my basic... If you boil it down to my main gripe about this movie, it's just that it's not Halloween. And I get what they were going for, and it's the same thing of Joker's relationship to the wider DC universe... Where, like, Joker isn't a movie about the Joker in the DC universe. It's a, it's a character study about a guy going crazy and society rejecting him that's set in the backdrop of Gotham City. If you took out everything, if, like, renamed uh, Thomas Wayne, took out and renamed Gotham, just made it Chicago, and it's a completely different movie. It's an original movie. If you took out Michael Myers, you took out Laurie Strode, and you took out the name Haddonfield, this is an original movie about an up-and-coming serial killer and a coming-of-age tale. You know what I mean? And part of me is like, why didn't David Gordon Green just make an original movie if you wanted to make a movie that's so far removed from the Halloween series? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I guess. It's an original film. <laughs> I mean, I liked it. I'm you like? Why did you like it? I mean, I and it was, it's not. It was different. I was like, I, I'm not. If I'm going to go, so the movie begins with Corey, and he's like crazy opening scene. Um, he's usually like a gardener, and this takes place a year after. Yeah, he's the usually kills. a gardener, but then these parent like Richie. Rich parents call him because they need a babysitter last minute. And he's like, well, I'm not a babysitter. And they're like, well, we just need somebody. Hopefully you're a better babysitter than a gardener. And I was like, that's fucking rude. But anyway, um, and we have this little kid. And the mom's just like, after the whole thing last year with Michael Myers, he's like really scared. He still wets the bed. And then he does what any person who's not a good babysitter does. Watches a scary movie. They're watching The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. <laughs> Which is an homage to the original movie in which Lindsay Wallace is watching the thing from another planet or thing, yeah, thing from another world or whatever it is. The original version, 1950s version of the thing, to which John Carpenter goes on to direct the remake of the thing. And that's the version that they're watching in the new movie. Um, and then this kid, like, locks Corey in, a, like, the one of the rooms and Corey's like let me out I'm gonna kill you when I get out and like it's not like a, I'm gonna kill you like I'm gonna stab you blah, blah, blah. it's like a play it's like I'm gonna kill you like let me out of here and he like kicks the door 
so hard smacks the kid in the that head. it smacks the kid over the balcony of the yeah we got an audible reaction from brie out of i was like scene. oh my god because the parents walk into the the house they hear i'm gonna kill you a smack of the door hitting their kid and their kid falling and then it's just the kid death. that falls down and like cracks his cracks neck. his neck and it's horrifying it's it's a really well filmed horror scene or not i don't know if about a horror scene but uh it reminds me of something that i would have seen in like hereditary you know what it, I, or like an like an a24 film where it's just this is the horror where it's just gonna smack you with it right and away. it was it was horrible and then he he's looking over the balcony and he has a knife in his hand because he grabbed it because the kid grabbed it and was moving it around to scare Corey. and then Corey goes through there's a time skip and it's he's kind of like all his college prospects are kind of gone now and he had to deal we with established the, that there was a trial and he he didn't he, get it like he, he didn't get convicted he got acquitted but they were going after him for manslaughter aggravated manslaughter and it was an accident it was an accident yeah he was dealt a pretty sh crappy hand to which officer hawkins says the same thing later on it's like, like oh that kid's a good kid he was just dealt a bad hand and unfortunately though the, the town kind of has turned on him he's like a social pariah in the town everybody turns their nose to him Everybody looks at him differently. Like, aren't you the guy who killed that kid? He's, he says that he really doesn't leave the house much. He works at a scrapyard with his stepdad as a mechanic. And I, Brie, I, I told you later in the movie, I'm like, the only reason they had him working as a fucking mechanic is to give him that fucking suit. <laughs> later on in the movie. Like, because he ends up taking, uh... The identity of Michael Myers Which later is on. My idea for the, like my version of it happening in the same night, he he takes on the identity. They think they kill actual Michael and they don't. And then we I have the scene. You, like, I told you my version of this ending, and I'm gonna get to how I would have written this ending differently. Um, anyway, so Fanfic. we get him. He's like normal at this point, just like really like normal guy nothing he has not had his encounter with michael yet so he's pretty nice i told you Corey looks like he smells the entire movie oh my gosh so he looks like we'll, the dirtiest we'll go guy on. ever so then we have this scene where he's at a gas station and he gets bullied by the most unexpected <laughs> group of human beings okay we gotta talk people about this group in the of bullies marching band they're like yeah we're in the marching band they're in the, like their marching band attire there's this dude with like the kid with the mullet that has the drumsticks. He, well, he looks like um, he's got like the uh, he's got a mullet, but it's also like a bowl cut haircut, and he's got the drumsticks. And there's the dude with the Letterman jacket. Uh, there's the the girl that's actually in a marching band suit, and then there's the girl that seems like she's not really comfortable being with this group bullying Corey. Corey's a grown ass man. He's and, 22 years old. And then he's getting bullied by... He's getting bullied by 17-year-old high school marching band geeks. This is wild. And they... What, what triggers this guy into becoming the next Michael Myers is being bullied by marching band geeks. So they, they're bullying him. He's drinking his yoo -hoo. What a diverse group of bullies. He's drinking his yoo He refuses to buy them beer. Then they... Are you the guy who killed that kid? And he squeezes his glass bottle of yoo so hard it busts you have to be insanely strong so setting up Corey to be michael myers strong like right i off don't the think bat. he's michael myers strong and he 
he broke a glass bottle of yuzu. You've never tried to do that before, where it's no. like you squeeze something so hard that you break. I would never do that with a glass bottle. But anyway, um, he gets pushed into his glass bottle, and he gets like a big cut. Lori sees it; she scares off the kids. Can we backtrack a second? And after, because we're moving quick, after the Corey babysitter scene. We time skip a few years and Lori is writing like a memoir oh, about yeah. everything. So we we are reintroduced to Lori and she's talking about how Michael Myers hasn't been seen in four years. He just disappeared. There's always this lingering threat, but people have tried to move on from it. And Lori's Lori, tried to move and on. And you know, she's she's enjoying her life. She has a house now in the neighborhood. She lives with her granddaughter. Her granddaughter is now a nurse. They live together. And she she is openly encouraging her granddaughter Allison to, to move on to move on to get out of Haddonfield to go to you know parties and things like that, and it's just a weird. I think it's a weird transition for these characters to say, "How the hell do you move on from that but not get closure?" Do you know what I mean? I feel like. The movie, like this trilogy, should have been almost in reverse for Laurie's character. So, Halloween 2018 is about Laurie still dealing with the trauma of 1978 and how that trauma kind of has consumed her entire life and she can't move on from it. Halloween Kills is about how Michael is impacting the town. And then, Halloween Ends is Laurie actually like having moved on from the trauma. I feel like it should be, have been in reverse. Like 2018 should have been Lori learning to move on, but then Michael comes back, infects the town and kills, and then ends is like Lori going into full-on hunt mode and on Michael. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like it seems like the character decision should have been almost in reverse of the of the progression of Lori's character. But, you know, it works I guess for here where Lori's just trying to deal with it, and they're saying, like, we haven't seen Michael in four years. He's probably not dead, but, you know, we can't keep living in fear the entire time. Yes, to which I say, can. yes, you can. <laughs> you can absolutely be living in fear that entire time. She, Lori lived in fear more when Michael Myers was incarcerated than she did when he was actually on the loose. So, um, I just don't necessarily think it was the best character choice for Lori. This movie is very heavily character driven, which I appreciate. It is a character driven film. It's just not driven in the way that it I think that it should have been. The story is good. On on paper, this is a really good story. The execution of the story though is iffy. Okay, so let's go back to where I was. Mm -hmm. So Lori sees this. She scares the kids off. She meets Corey. She thinks she, he's a nice boy. Takes him to the doctor's office in which her granddaughter is working. And they kind of get introduced. And um, This is an unhealthy relationship for Allison to engage in. He, like... Allison is immediately smitten. Yeah, she likes him immediately. In, no, like, I mean... Immediately. Immediately, this is, like, hardcore, we're in a relationship. And, like, hardcore, we have an emotional connection, even though the course of this movie is, like, what, two days? Two or three days? I don't know. Yeah, something like that. But it's... Their 
budding relationship moves so fast in those couple of days. We get this like, at first, he's just normal. This is all pre, you know, his run in with Michael. Um, He kind of blows off Allison because he's like, you don't want to be involved with me. Because he's very much aware of his reputation around town. She doesn't care. And at first, Lori is all gung-ho on call him, go out with him, blah, blah, blah. So she does. She gets him to go out with her um, to a Halloween party. Um, at the Halloween party, he's having fun. Oh, man, the strobe lights yeah. in that oh, Halloween it's, it's party. it's pretty rough. Like, we were just watching it on our television, and I was like, oh, I'm, like, seeing rainbow colors But, here. you know, like, at first... Everyone's like having a good time. Like they seemed he's having a good time, but they takes off his mask. Can I, can I give you a fun fact about that scene? Sure. So do you remember the old guy that Corey runs into who says, uh, like you want to look at these and he opens up his trench coat and it's like a bunch of like toy body parts. Yes. In there, that old man, that old bearded guy. Yes. That is Nick Castle who, uh, played Michael Myers in Halloween 78. So Nick Castle makes a nice little cameo appearance in this movie. You can continue. Okay. <laughs> so he's having a good time. He takes off his mask and then he has an unfortunate run in with the mother of the kid. Um, this is a so and she this is a bar that both of those parents frequent at to a point where Lindsay Wallace, who's the bartender, knows each of their names and like knows them personally. And unfortunately, she kind of bullies him into leaving and he tells he pretty rude to allison i told you i don't like going out and this is why why'd you have to make me come out and so he leaves abruptly rudely we're about 40 minutes into this movie. yeah <laughs> um and then he's walking home by himself kind of just like feeling down you know and then to make matters worse here come the marching band guys in These their car dorks, dude. These These dorks. absolute dorks and Oh, I forgot to mention that Lori, when she found him at and saved him the first time at the um, the shop, they used a knife to puncture a hole in the um, the guy's t- car tire. Mm-hmm. So this guy has a vendetta against Corey for giving him a flat tire. He's a 22-year-old adult man. Yeah. So, and he is like being harassed by high schoolers and these high schoolers this come is, like pathetic and they're they're like pushing him like hurting him real bad and then they do the unthinkable anthony what tell him what happens they push that. him down they push him over a bridge yeah that was attempted murder <laughs> these kids attempting to murder this man because the bridge is high it's high yeah and like, Corey, like a, f's up his shoulder and and then he gets dragged into, into a, like, the sewer hole. Yeah. By an injured Michael Myers. Who we have to assume, because there's another homeless man that is living under that bridge as well. And he says something. I can't remember what he says. He says he drags those people people in there he, all the time. So we have to assume that Michael is, like, still killing people, but, like, bringing them in there yeah, to and eat if them. You, <laughs> if you pay attention to everything in the background, there are a bunch of missing posters for missing people. Yes. Oh, I didn't realize There's, that. like, a bunch of missing persons stuff everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, missing, missing, missing. So, he's killing people. They're just missing. And he's dragging them into the sewer. Like, he's 
freaking they pennywised him yeah <laughs> they, <laughs> they pennywised they penny- him. i'm just realizing this now they pennywised michael is he eating them i have to assume how else is he surviving rats he's eaten rats before i know you yeah but and animals and stuff when he why why else would he drag them into the sewer i have to assume it's to eat them Ugh. yeah i have to i mean he's got to be eating somewhere is michael poop Oh, his area probably reeks. Yeah, got to imagine. Well, it's a sewer. So, so there's poop there anyway. Can I backtrack us a sure. second and pause us where we are now before we get into, like, listen, we're about 45 minutes into the movie now, and we have not seen Michael Myers. But uh, can we talk about the opening title credits that we forgot to discuss? Sure. They're cool. I love I love these movies and the opening title credits, like with the pumpkins. Um Every pumpkin is got a pumpkin that's bursting from inside of it. And it's really cool how they film this stuff. Because remote 2018 was the pumpkin coming back to life, right? Like they filmed the pumpkin in reverse, decomposing. And uh, Halloween Kills was all the pumpkins being thrown at the screen. And then this one is all the pumpkins like bursting out of one another. And it's a really cool opening sequence. I love that if we take nothing out of this movie, we take this opening credit sequence because it's really cool. And it's blue instead of orange. Uh, And do you remember what other movie had a blue Halloween title credits? It was interesting. Do you remember which one? No. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. To which I would say this installment in the franchise is as close as we're probably going to get to another halloween three season of the witch and the sense that it is so far removed from being a halloween movie that it's almost not a halloween movie okay Lenny, as he's getting a season of the witch t-shirt i like season of the witch Somebody on Twitter made a prediction. They're like, in 10 to 15 years, Halloween Ends is going to be a cult classic the same way that Season of the Witches, and fans are going to look back at it fondly. We're already starting to do that with Resurrection. People are already starting to look back at Resurrection and say, it's not a good movie, but it's a fun movie. You know, it's entertaining. So I think we're, and just general comments on this, where I think that this movie fails is it's not fun. <laughs> when when we were talking about this too, where we were saying when you have a a slasher movie, the kills are almost like over exaggerated. They're uh, in an alternate reality where it's like almost fun to watch this. Where Rob Zombie's movie came in was that you're not watching fun kills you're watching murders and it's too dark and it's too serious it's and murders it's, un- it's uncomfortable this movie i think while it it has elements of wanting to be a fun slasher movie it's not a fun slasher movie um this is a really serious film and this is a coming of age tale a, this is a romance movie it's everything like but a halloween movie i just think once he gets dragged into the sewer he has, like, this confrontation with Michael. Michael, like, grabs him grabs by the him throat. Grabs him by the neck, lifts him up, but then they have this intense eye contact moment where you see, like, into both of their eyes, and Michael, it looks like he sees something in him, 
and lets him go and he crawls out and that's when he has the confrontation with the the homeless man underneath the bridge he's like i've seen that man drag so many people in there but he's never i've never seen someone come out what he what what's special about you and then he goes to like try to kill him i guess he has like a knife the, the homeless man he tries to shove him back into the sewer he's like i want the mask go get the mask for yeah. me yeah and then he takes the, the guy has a knife and Corey kind of overpowers him and then he s kills him he's yeah he kills the homeless man and that kind of like triggers something and Corey like actually like homicide yeah it's and, not manslaughter and so this was homicide then we have like um Allison she's like she used to be dating this cop and he's oh can we talk about that guy and he is like obviously a 40 year old man yes and she's like a 22 year old young woman and she was like dating this cop and i and all of his friends are like 40 year old and men. i have to say it's probably a he was probably a safe person for her to date and that's why she was dating him a cop middle-aged like what's safer than like that I but, guess, it just, but it's but it's so weird. It's weird, but like I could understand after the trauma she's been through that that would be a person she was drawn to. Yeah, stable, in a stable job, stable part of your life, and in a safe profession. Yeah, but it wasn't working out. She's not with Corey, and but, but so Corey comes out of the sewer after killing this guy. And he's like and cool he's, now. He's cool, Corey. Similar to Christine. When and Christine, when Arnie Cunningham is like influenced by the supernaturally possessed car, he becomes like cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, wow, what did uh, Michael's run in with uh, or Corey's run in with Michael just like automatically made him cool or like gave him confidence, right? So. Something clicks in Corey when he actually, like, kills that homeless guy that people who had run into Corey afterwards are like, something's different about this guy. Like, I just look into his eyes and I just see, like, nothing there. Where Lori says that and then they talk to the dad of the kid who... Well, and this, you have to, we have to know that he was not like this before his run-in with Michael because Lori... Met him, thought he was a nice boy, but as soon as he runs in with Michael after he's killed the homeless man, Lori's like, something's different about him, and he looks like how Michael looked. Yeah. Like, she's noticing something has changed in this boy. So, I guess where my confusion is, and like where it isn't relayed as easily, and I guess no, this is fine because you don't have to tell the audience everything, right? Like, show, not tell. So... Michael has influenced Corey negatively. Did he pass? On? And I, this goes back to our question earlier is, did he pass on the evil or did he just trigger something that was already there in Corey? Similarly, and is it a nature versus nurture debate? Is it Corey already had this in there and it just needed to be triggered and it was a perfect cocktail of the town's influence on him and him being like a social pariah versus Lori, who could have had the same experience, except the people that she surrounded herself with were more supportive of her and were more positive to her after her run in with Michael Myers. I, it's just not communicated um, properly. Nowhere in this movie did I think Corey was anything similar to Michael Myers? 
even when they kept saying like i saw his eyes and something's different about his eyes there was nowhere in that movie where i also felt that you know what i mean and i think it is it's not it's not hard to relay that but I don't think we did necessarily a great job because Corey doesn't act like Michael. He's He walks around after his encounter with Michael not similarly to how Michael was when he was in the same age range as Corey. But it, you have to think about the difference between what how they their age range. So when he was the same age as Corey, like... That was 78. He, was, he had already been institutionalized mm -hmm. since he was a child how would he have turned out if he was never institutionalized i don't know but i have to imagine that would he be a cool guy <laughs> cool michael <laughs> mike from halloween five oh, yeah <laughs> and uh so i think that cory doesn't uh, in the direction of cory doesn't relay his triggering of that evil in a very clear way until he dons the mask and Corey just acts like more confident, not so much an agent of chaos. And after his first kill, he he becomes cool. He picks up Allison on the motorcycle. No, 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 no. We we are skipping parts. He does not pick up Allison on the motorcycle yet because I need to talk about that part, and we got to get there. So oh, that's when you thought he picked up. Yeah. Okay. So Michael. So Corey goes to. Lori and Allison's house and he just, yeah, he apologizes. he's like I want to apologize but that's when Lori's like eh, there's something weird about this guy and um, he brings Allison to the house of the kid and he's like I've killed someone yeah and Allison's like I don't I don't care about your past and it's almost like a um, like if again I said I feel like I've seen this movie before with a relationship that you know is toxic for both of them, but they still do it anyway. <laughs> like most. And uh, I'm trying to think of like where we want to go from here. So we cut to like Allison is having this, th there's this B story plot with the nurses, the nurse and the doctor that... The nurse that she is working with got a promotion over her. The doctor's like an a-hole. And we find out that the reason why the nurse got the promotion was because she was sleeping with the doctor. So we get those two coming into his house. And, you know, spooky, ooh, Michael and Corey are there. And Corey has that scarecrow mask on and just like brutally murders. You're missing a, one of the most best murders of this movie. Which one? The one that shows that they're working together. The first one they did together, which is when they're... Oh, yes. So, no, you're right. I completely so, skipped that part. Uh, let me go on yeah, to say. Go back. So, Allison and him and Corey are at a restaurant, and the police officer that was seeing her just, like, comes up to his table trying to cook um, Corey. Corey. And Corey's um, like, I ain't no cook. I ain't no cook. Get out of here. Blah, blah, blah. And he's just like... The police officer's just, like, really rude. And... He follows Corey to when he drops off Allison and they kiss. Police officer is following them. And he follows him to the bridge. Corey uh, finds that he's following him. Yeah, like, Corey knows him. he's following him. The he's police like, I'm officer, bring him to Michael. He's gonna, he brings him to the bridge, underneath the bridge. 
the police officer thinks he's in this tent because there's like a light in this tent i was like why would you think he's living under a bridge but anyway he takes him to this tent he opens the tent it's a dead the dead homeless man and then Corey's behind him like trying to like suffocate him and he gets he's Corey's not strong like michael so the police officer is able to fight him off and but then he kind of like lures him into the sewer and Corey, so Corey kind of feeds this guy to Michael, but Michael is severely injured from his run-in with the mob yeah, and so Halloween like this... kills. And for four years, he's been dealing with what I have to imagine is a mixture of old age, sickness and infection from his wounds, and just being weak. So they've nerfed the crap out of Michael. And like this cop almost overpowers michael but thanks by to, himself but thanks to Corey also being there yeah Corey's able to Corey, help like, michael gives, gives him the assist and like holds him down while michael can thus execute. beginning this para like parasitic relationship with these guys where they're killing together they start working together yeah and then we get Corey really is using michael but then to like, help allison get ahead at work where he takes michael to this house and at first you don't know michael's there at first you no, get so i have to okay Corey is he he kills the doctor right he, sta he stabs the, the doctor do in the neck and the the lady gets away from him the nurse gets away from him closes the door and he's pounding on the door because he wants to kill her too but what she doesn't know is that michael myers is in the house and she's right behind he's right behind her and he's able to easily overpower her yes and we still get this thing of like Michael Myers gets stronger when killing people because he seems to be doing a little bit better health wise now that he's killing everybody. But we get this like tag team of Michael and Corey. But then the immediate scene following. There's a cut in this movie where. He picks up Allison. They immediately cut from Michael and Corey just like staring at each other, giving each other like a nod of approval. Like, yeah, we just work together on this. To, to Corey on a motorcycle driving and then somebody is in the back of him but we don't see who's back there and then we see like fingers go across Corey's face and it ends up being allison and but that cut anthony is thought, so ambiguous anthony thought it was michael myers <laughs> that i freaked out in watching this movie because like that cut is so ambiguous in the way that it's shot it's like you almost half expect that michael myers is going to be on the back of that motorcycle with Corey and I I fully expect that. And the that. Corey takes her on top of like the DJ. Can I ask a question? Please. And I'm just asking questions. Okay. How do they coordinate the kills between Corey and Michael? Know. Like I don't know. You can't reason with Michael, and you can't say like we're going to be at the but house at eight o'clock. There's a there's a scene in which Corey's at Allison's. And Corey's on a motorcycle, and what does Michael just walk there? Well, Corey's at Allison's, and they're like making out in the house, and Michael's like outside the house. I think Michael's just following him. Because I'm, I was thinking about it, and I was saying, because like, Mike, how do I don't, we coordinate with Michael to Michael, be at the same place at the same time? I don't think Michael's at the point where he can kill by himself, so he's following Corey to get. He needs so, the assist because he needs the assist. So wherever Corey's going, Michael is following. This like mentorship approach that they take in this movie is so bizarre between Corey and Michael. And on paper, I think this is an idea that works, but in practicality, I'm not so sure. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, continuing on, 
uh, Corey brings Allison to the radio station. They're on the roof, and he's like joking around with her. And they're like, "We need to leave." The they're talking about running away with each other, like almost Bonnie and Clyde style. And like we love each other so much that it's like we're willing to drop everything and just like run away with one another. And this is after he's already and killed. They they've known each other for what like two days. Anyway, um, he's but like she doesn't know that he's like a mass murderer. Yeah, now. she doesn't know that right now anyway they he like pretends that he's gonna jump off the roof he gets down off the roof and then the dj comes out and he's like get off my property you are a murderer yeah he so acts like he, an a-hole he's an a-hole and it's like oh you're gonna die you're gonna die because you're acting like a like a dill hole so you're gonna die that's how it usually works the dill holes and die. then i i kind of am confused on where we go from here meanwhile oh we missed a part we missed a part that's important that even though Lori is uh, kind of moved on from Michael Myers, she's in a grocery store and she has a run-in with Deputy Hawkins. And she's smiling because they're flirting. Because they're flirting and she likes him. And he mentions like he's learning Japanese and he really wants to go see the cherry blossoms. And that's like a kind of running thing like of a uh, uh, something that Lori keeps referring back to when it's like... I can either let the evil consume me or I can let the cherry blossoms consume me as like kind of this idea of uh, peace and innocence and purity with the cherry blossoms rather than the evil of Michael Myers. Mm -hmm. So Lori comes out of the store like all giddy from seeing Hawkins. And, and this she's lady's like, why are you smiling? Yeah. It's this lady's like, why are you smiling? And Lori's like, I have no idea who you are. And she says my sister was your neighbor was your neighbor and mm. she got stabbed in the neck by michael myers and survived and it's the woman from halloween kills where michael took the took the, the light, light and stuck her in the stuck neck her in the neck and yeah. i was like oh my gosh she survived so it lowers halloween kills kill count from 31 to 30 and i'm like <laughs> good for her survive and get her second movie money Go you, girl. So Lori has this moment, this like uh, Captain America Civil War moment where like in Civil War, uh, Tony Stark is confronted after the MIT presentation by a woman whose son died in Sokovia in Avengers 2. And it brings him down to earth and say like, yes, I am part of the reason why this happened. Like I need to take accountability for this. And it's a very similar moment in this movie with Laurie and that woman. It's like, now I have to face, like, even though I've moved on and I'm happy, can I ever truly move on? Because there is the guilt that I caused this. And Laurie is faced with that guilt. And that guilt kind of drives her motivation throughout this entire movie of saying, like, maybe I've picked the wrong person for Allison and I'm really toxic to begin with and like this is all still my fault and the count not recovering is like my fault too so we do have a really character driven movie here mm -hmm. and on that level it's really good but it's not a halloween movie <laughs> it's not a halloween movie um anyway how do we continue from here where do we go i forgot there Lori is like she confronts Corey basically after this is this where we're going i can't remember the procession of events i guess she like sees something is going on with him so she follows him to his like 
Well, she, first she goes and visits his parents' home. Yes. And she talk, and the mom's kind of crazy, blames Lori for how he was treated because the boogie, your boogeyman disappeared, so they had to have a new one. And it was Corey got all this flack for accidentally hurt, like the, the which I would still consider manslaughter. It was an accident, but. Still manslaughter. Man, still manslaughter. Oh, yeah. It's like the same as if I was driving a car and I hit someone, even though they jumped in front of my car. It's still manslaughter. It's still manslaughter. Um, if I scare somebody so hard that they have a heart attack and die, that's manslaughter. Yeah. Right. It's unfortunate, but yeah. that's just how it is. Not everyone gets charged with prison time. But like someone can still bring those charges up against you. Sure, it can be it can be dismissed like it was against Corey because it was an accident. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lori is like doing this investigation into Corey and like trying to find out who this guy is. She meets mom, and mom is weird. She then has a confrontation with Corey, and Corey says some crazy stuff. Where you're the you're the psycho, and I'm the I'm the freak. No, she says, you're, you're the freak, I'm the psycho. Um, and Lori's basically like, you need to stay away from and Allison. And he's like, if I can't have her, nobody can. Yeah. So we see, like, and Corey said, Michael Myers is back. He's out there. He's dangerous. And he's still coming for you, Lori. He's still coming for you. Um, and gives her, like, this threat. So Lori knows something is up with... Corey that and we he's, get he's got this like darkness in his and eyes. we have then we get Corey wanting the mask from Michael no 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 so we have that scene too with Corey going home yeah and, and his mom, stepdad's super cool and mom is just crazy leave Kiss, kisses him on the mom, lips yeah kisses him on the lips and he which leaves. is like the scariest part of this movie. I know I was like oh my god <laughs> I was like, there's nothing wrong with kissing your parents on the lips, but she was like gonna make out. No, with the him. way she does it yeah, though is like very quick, and it's very like if if we would have lingered on that for a moment, she would have like totally made out with her. No, I think that was her goal. Yeah, he pulled away. But anyway, um, then he goes kind of like he we call devolving in the the serial. I watch a lot of Criminal Minds. He's devolving. He goes after Michael's mask. He wants the mask. So Michael is nerfed so hard to a point where like Corey overpowers him. There's this like two minute sequence, which is shot really well and which where the camera is poised in the center of the tunnel. And we just see like the circle of the entrance to the tunnel. But we see this back and forth between Michael and Corey and the camera just stays there the entire time. And he wins. And they scuffle for like two minutes and... Michael is so weakened to this point that, and it's pathetic, yeah. <laughs> like how easy Corey is able to just overpower him and steal the mask. So he's, Corey gets the mask and his first thing is, I'm just going to take revenge on everyone. every single person. So first it's alluring the marching band bullies to the scrapyard. I think and- I would have rather this movie been about because there's it goes from there's this mentorship between Michael and Corey to now Corey is a copycat of Michael. Would but, you have rather them done one or the other or I think this is a very important part cuz the downfall of Corey is the I'm ready to do this. Now he's transitioned before, fully. Before he's actually ready to do this. So then he gets these kids, he stabs the drummer guy through the eye with a uh, drumstick. Mm-hmm. He runs over at the scrapyard. At the scrapyard, the girl with the 
that didn't even want to be there. Poor yeah. girl. Poor girl. She didn't. Well, want to she be didn't die. She yet. didn't die. We don't know if she he died. He stabs somebody in the neck. He, the, the marching band girl. She's. He stabs the one. No, he gets the one girl with the like the wrench. Oh, the wrench. Yes. Um. The other kid goes to the stepdad for help. So he has a gun, and so does the stepdad. Stepdad. Oh, stepdad gets it so bad. Ste- it's a poor so, stepdad. He's the he most likable character. He sees that it's his son, like stepson. Corey, what are you doing? Corey, what are you doing? And the other guy shoots to shoot Corey, but then gets the stepdad in the head. Yeah, like a perfect shot yeah. right in the center of the head. And then <laughs> Corey gets the guy. Um, oh, God, he brutally he, murders he, this dude. like, sets him off on fire he with takes a blowtorch. Yeah, blowtorch and just, like, blowtorches his face. And that girl we don't sees see, it all. We don't see it. No, but... the girl sees it all. And then he leaves, drives the truck away, and then he gets the oh, No, 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 he smashes the girl's face. Oh, yeah, he steps he on her. He curb stomps her. He curb stomps her. Then he drives away, and then he gets the DJ. He goes to the DJ place. We see... We don't see the murder of the um, the receptionist. receptionist. We kind of see it in the background at the DJ booth. And then we see the Michael Myers mask come in. And the guy's like, what are you doing in here? And then he gets brutally he murdered. He like breaks the dude's jaw and, and then, then cuts, his cuts t- off his tongue. And then we get and this. And they show the cutting off the tongue. Yeah. And ah. then we get this cool moment where like this, the music this is, is the skipping. This is the most Halloween that the movie has felt. Yes. The music is skipping and we get it as like our background music as Allison's driving and she's hearing the music skipping. She turns off the radio. Yeah. It's a good edit. Yeah, and then she's, like, waiting in the restaurant, like, texting we're Corey. Now, we're now in the last act of this movie where Corey has fully embraced the the evil. Where... And he's become Lori is, Michael Myers. Lori is telling her he's not no good, don't run away with him. And she's like, I want to get out of here. And it's like, I you could get out of here, just not with this guy. Um um, and she's like, she leaves, she's texting Corey, like, where are you? Cause they're supposed to leave together. And then Lori like pretends like she's going to commit suicide. She calls in her she own. Call- okay. So this is an issue too, of like the response time that I'm going to keep bringing up in, in a second. I, w- I would like to tell you, um, the fire department and police department came to our school and they told us how long it takes for them to get anywhere in our town. How long? Three minutes. Okay. Anywhere in town, it takes three minutes for emergency personnel after you call 911. So, Lori... It had to occur within three minutes. No, no, no. Uh, That's what I'm saying. The response time of this police department, who is not present throughout this entire movie, is so bad that... It should take three minutes. Lori calls in her own suicide, has a confrontation with Corey, has a moment where Allison comes in and they argue... Well, so no, when, no, no. She calls, uh, she calls she le- and then she leaves. And then Hawkins a- calls Allison yeah. and says, Lori called in a suicide. Go back to the house. Meanwhile, then Lori has the confrontation with Michael in the climax. And that all happens before the police get before there. The, police get anyway, there. So- the response time is atrocious. Oh, yeah. So what happens is she calls in her own suicide. And it's important that she likes this jack-o'-lantern head. And then the gun goes off and we get a splatter, right? But the splatter is the pumpkin head. She shot the pumpkin head. He, Corey, opens the door and she has the gun pointed. She's like, do you really think I'd kill myself? She shoots him twice. 
he kind of goes back in pain and they have like this conversation. She, she fall, he falls off of the and, yeah, staircase. He's like, you're not taking my like granddaughter. And he's hears like a car co- approaching and like her get it coming in to this thing. And he stabs himself in the neck to frame Lori. He says, if I can't have her, nobody, nobody can. can. He kills himself. And Lori pulls the knife out of his neck. For a girl he met two days ago. Yeah, and she's like over his body. And Allison's like, what did you do? And like. I'm like, do you really think your grandmother killed this guy? Like, come on. Come on. Just to keep you in Haddonfield? That's unlike Lori. But she, like, freaks out She on freaks Lori out, and leaves, she leaves. And then Hawkins calls her about... Uh, the suicide. The suicide. Yeah. Meanwhile, Lori's, like, just recovering from this, but then she notices her back door is open. And because Michael has been following Corey... This Michael... Is- then she hears someone moving around, picking up the knife... And the mask. And the mask that was next to Corey. She fully realizes Michael is in my house right now. Yeah. Like she's trying to hide. She goes to hide. We have this confrontation, but the the thing that like the fans have been clamoring yes, for finally it's a happens. confrontation. It's so where, brief. Where she <laughs> easily overpowers Michael in several times. She easily overpowers Michael several times. The confrontation's about five minutes long. She stabs him I in the think, hands, like, pinning him down. I think that this this fight sequence between Laurie and Michael needed to be about ten minutes longer. And it was... And I think that we needed to have a little bit more of Michael stalking around the house a bit and, like, being nimble. I mean, they just go right to it, and it's so and quick then because Michael is like so weak. The moment that he's a, like gets the upper hand is when Allison finally comes back after, and then they both defeat. So Ma- Michael, you think that like so Michael's pinned to the kitchen yeah. counter, and he loosens his hand or, or like drags the knife away from his hand and. Start strangling Lori. Yeah. And we start to get these like flashbacks of the franchise before then. Because you, you're you putting the audience under the expectation that they're both going to die at the same time. Uh-huh. And uh, then Allison comes in and... Saves her save, grandma. Saves her grandma. And they realize that they have Michael Myers like in a place where he's like immobilized. Now's the time to kill this guy. So... They call up the whole town. Well, they first slit his throat. Yeah. They stab him in the neck. And then they slit his wrists as well. There's no way he's going to have enough blood to stay alive. And meanwhile, we get all of these flashbacks of Laurie and Michael's confrontation. That was kind of a cool moment where we're like, okay, this is the big... This is the end. This is the big payoff that everybody has been waiting for where they're finally going to kill this guy. And Laurie's finally going to get that closure and retribution as a character. And I think that this moment is executed really well in this movie. Um, And Allison says the one thing that no other horror movie protagonist has ever said ever. He's not dead enough. Um, So they call (laughs) the whole town. The, town, the, the police come the police, and they're like, holy crap. Like, yeah, they're, they're like, this is not what we normally do. And then the chief said, we get the chief again. I freaking. And he's like, well, it's different today. Or no, something. like, so there is no police presence throughout this entire movie. Sheriff with the cowboy hat comes back for like five seconds. And he's in this ready movie, to do and it. Cowboy I, style. I 
marked out hard for the sheriff with the police. Uh, he needed his with like the, moment with the hat because like that sheriff is just like screw this. We're like gonna mess up this guy. Yeah. Right so now. they take him to the junkyard that everyone's dead at they, for some reason. They give him a Spider Man two moment where like the you know in Spider Man two where like. To- Toby is like uh, laid out, and the crowd like uh, put like crowd serves his body up to the front of the train car. <laughs> they do that with Michael up to the uh, the compactor, the, the, the compactor, like the scrap heap. And, and they th- what happens is he gets thrown in there. Then Lori jumps in and like kicks him in, and we see him get like torn to pieces. Oh, they show it. Yeah, yeah they show they, it. it is not ambiguous his death at it, all. Like it is, they he's actually done. destroy his body. The thing that Doctor Loomis had been saying saying for years before his death is, you need to eradicate Michael Myers. Like it needs to be. He no body left. Yes. Like eradicated, and then we get like. I have a theory about Michael that is never proven, but if we're really trying to analyze the decisions that are made by the director towards what Michael goes through. I don't know if Michael can feel pain. I think Michael has one of the, that's a rare disorder where like your nerves don't work. Yeah. So like you don't feel any pain. Things will impact you. Like he limps he and everything. and everything. Yeah. And, but it's like, like his body just shuts down, but like he's not feeling the actual stab. Exactly. He's feeling the pressure, but not the pain. Cause he doesn't like, react towards the pain at all in halloween kills or halloween ends he reacts towards my body can't do this anymore like physically can't do this it's not painful it's just like i can't do, do it. it so we I, that's a that's a theory that's a theory um anyway after he gets eviscerated we have this moment where like allison's gonna leave haddonfield and um, what did you think she about- tells Lori like i know Corey was the one killing all those people um, and kind of saying like you were right. They didn't. Grandma. They never blamed it on Corey. Like the news still credits Michael. She's for like, those I know, murders. I know it was Corey, and it's like, I told you. Well, it's kind of giving Grandma like the, I'm sorry. It's closure. It's closure. Yeah. Like I'm sorry. We're ending on a happy. Ending. Like I, I love my grandmother. She's like, but I'm leavings. leaving, and we get Allison leaving Haddonfield. Um, we get the finish of the memoir Lori was writing. It's Steven Universe. Where she said, um, (laughs) evil doesn't like disappear, it just changes shape. shape. And then I was like, wasn't that the name of the Taking Shape is the name of the book? I was like, isn't that similar to the name of the book that you were reading? Allison leaving is very Steven Universe future esque, where Where it's it's like like, I I I just gotta go. I understand that like my heart is always gonna be with my grandma in Haddonfield, but for my own personal like mental health i need to leave i need to leave like i just need to get out of here and i need to move on very steven universe inspired i think but um we end with like hawkins and laurie talking about the cherry blossoms and like coming back together it's a very happy ending that we see and the last scene is Similarly to the end of the first Halloween movie where we go to different areas of the house and it's like, is Michael still out there? He could be anywhere. Well, now we're looking peacefully at the different areas of Lori's house where we know Michael is not there and we know that she's finally at peace. 
and then we go to uh her living room where the she still has the mask on the counter like he's never truly going to be well you know and then we talk about like this movie and it's like the whole Oh, my, Bree's getting a call. From my mother. The whole point of the call whole... Her, call her back in like 15 minutes. I know. The whole thing is, um, you know, I will, like, we have to understand that Michael Myers is evil, but that evil lives on in other people. Like, you're not going to eradicate evil. This is what the, but the, friend, you're, you're the, just, the trilogy was going you're for. You're eradicating this one person, but like there are evil people everywhere. And I think that is evident by every year on Halloween, people are still dying. Mm-hmm. It's not Michael. But I think we get this idea that things are going to change in Haddonfield. It's brighter. It's more pleasant now that Michael Myers is fully gone and the town has closure on that. I think that where everything where this movie fails... They really nailed the ending. They did nail the ending. I think it was a very good ending. Um, so I have to ask Anthony. Well, no, I'm not done talking about uh, this. Oh, Anthony, pretty... stop talking. <laughs> I'm not done talking about this. I uh, I think that it was a really, really bizarre choice to... If I'm going to talk about the good and I'm going to talk about the bad, I'm going to say for a movie that has been so focused on setting up this closure and this final confrontation between Michael and Laurie, I think it's a really, really strange choice to have this entire movie be about a character that you just introduced to the franchise. It's such a strange decision to say, no, 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 we're going to wrap up this entire franchise, we're going to wrap up this entire story, but we're going to focus in on a character that we're just meeting instead of the ones that the audience actually like cares about. I didn't care about Corey this entire movie. I just thought it was an interesting way to take it. On was paper, it was it the best way? I think it would have been a completely better movie if we didn't have the pandemic, but officially those those are the cards we had been dealt. And, and we need to accept that's the cards we've been dealt. I um this I think there's a better version of this movie to be made and to be out there and i think we finally have settled the debate of that has been raging on for a long time can you have a halloween movie that is that largely has a presence of michael myers absent i think the answer is no i'm just gonna tell you um in five five ten years (laughs) look out for anthony and i's reboot i know yeah of halloween because um this this version, I can say, Laurie Strode's story is done, and if I we are we've, to we've given it closure. if we are to remake Halloween, um, I think we need to do something different. There was an idea floating around at one point between the creation of Halloween Six or Halloween um, H two O Resurrection and Rob Zombies, where they were floating around the idea of Halloween What If. Where every movie would be like, what if Michael Myers never, you know, was caught? What if Michael Myers, like, succeeded in killing Laurie Strode? Something like that. Like, these, it's so similar to Marvel, what if? I think that that would be really cool to go through. I would love to see them play with some of these ideas of these crazier Halloween movies. Some of them aren't going to be successful. I think on paper, the whole Corey thing and like having your last movie in the franchise be about a character that you're just introducing, 
I think that's a bizarre choice and I think it works on paper, but when you actually make the movie, you and you wind up with an entirely different movie than what you started with. I told Bree, if you would have told me I'm gonna wait. <laughs> if you had Sorry. told me in twenty eighteen when that reboot came out that this is where we would end I would be confused. I would be like so confused on how we got from there to here. I'm still confused on how we got from there I mean, to here. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it, but, but I didn't think I'm it was tell Halloween. You, it doesn't make my top 100. No, it doesn't make my top 100 either. Um, I think this is a weird closure. I think the first two acts of this movie are just so strange. And, and it's just not Halloween. It's a completely different movie. But the last act of this movie returns to form and becomes a Halloween movie. Here's how I would have okay. changed Corey's Finally, notion. Finally, we get Anthony's version of this movie. You heard mine. You heard my idea. Now it's time for Anthony. Not that I would change. I'm not going to change this entire movie. I'm just going to change Corey's ending of this movie. I really think we needed Allison to be the person to kill Corey, and i think what would have really worked for this movie is i know what they wanted to do and they wanted to leave it unambiguous they just cap it off end it make sure there's no continuation or there's no room for continuation but what really would have like emphasized that theme of like evil never truly dies it just changes shape Corey gets into a confrontation with Lori and Allison. Allison, while defending Lori from Corey, shoots Corey in the chest multiple times. And he falls off the balcony of Lori's house. And when Allison looks over that balcony, Corey is nowhere to be found. That is the end of Corey's story in that movie. Because... If we're going on with the theme of evil just changes shape and never truly dies and, and he still takes infects. My, he takes Michael's place. Yes, we're still left with that. Corey is out there like evil never truly dies. Which would have been a better ending. Not a better ending to the movie, a better ending for Corey. Um, I think a better ending for the movie as well because then you could make another one. But this is the last one they're contractually I know have. This they, for, for Blumhouse, franchise. yeah. For Blumhouse, the production company, this is the last one that they'll do. If they ever do want to make a new one, they have to like kind of set it in a different continuity. Um, I don't know, man. Just a bizarre, bizarre movie. And I know that like... Jamie Lee Curtis said this is going to be very divisive. This she movie. liked being a part of this movie. That's what matters. Yeah. I just think that there's a better version of this movie to be made. And I think that we were really shackled by the pandemic, which kind of sucks. Because you can have, like we said, you can have elements of this movie that still work and take place on the same night. Um, but you would have to change the character of you would Corey You would have to change, change Corey... I just think I'm going to go back to it. God, what a bizarre, weird decision it is to have the final movie of your franchise focused on a character that you're just introducing in that movie. I, I mean, it's it wasn't so terrible. Weird. It's so weird. It wasn't terrible. It doesn't make either of our top um, 100s, but it was fun to watch. And it's a good movie to, I'll probably, you know, start our hiatus, our end of season, you know? Yeah, I'll... I'll um, Probably give this a rewatch at some point in the next week. 
we'll probably rewatch it realistically maybe um the thursday before uh, we get married yeah yeah but when we're still together because we're still doing that traditional sleep in separate places the night before our wedding mm-hmm. but i um i when we were talking about um Lori's ending to this movie and how they really did nail no pun intended but they did nail the ending here of Lori finally having that closure um to michael i am getting a little emotional talking about it because it's like this is a franchise that means such a tremendous amount to us and other people that when um when when they do wrap it up so nicely like it does feel like a chapter is closing and it does feel like it, i know and it does feel like it's an ending to um an, an end of an era yeah and if they really did not make another halloween movie after this It'd be I, good. I would be okay with that and i'm i i'm not gonna say I'm that this is a bad movie i'm looking forward to what i need from if we're gonna re like redo this if we're gonna bring michael back we really need to... It's got to be set in a different continuity. It's, it's got to be set in a different continuity. I would even, I mean, reboot, not do a new, like do a go, new first go movie. Back, go back to the Jamie Lloyd timeline, I would say, if you really want to. Or start a new... Or start a whole new story. Or start a new... One whole, that doesn't involve Lori. No Lori in, at all. Yeah. Re, reboot the whole thing. Do a different origin. Do a different origin. Well... Yeah, I you could do that. I, I mean, know. or same origin story, just different first killing. Yeah, like, I, there's so many different ways that they could possibly reboot this. It'll be interesting to see what they do, but um, I I'm not going to say that this is a bad movie. I know people online are really shitting on this, but it's not. I think it's an okay movie. I think it's an okay movie. I just think it's really, really, really it's bizarre. bizarre. And, and we weird. were both saying we were watching the first half of this. Like, the what am I first three fourths of this movie? And we were like, "What a bizarre movie!" Yeah, what a bizarre what a, movie. We kept looking at each other. What a bizarre it's, movie! It's so character driven that it misses the point a little bit. But I, I'm not going to say that this is a bad movie. It's actually pretty well shot. It's, oh, it was a beautiful movie. Yeah. At some points, yeah, it's it's, the, br- the, it's very well directed. Dra- I would have to point out a couple of scenes: the drag scene of Corey into the sewer, beautiful, yeah, yeah. beautifully done. Um, the and- the shot of Corey looking down from the staircase when the kid falls really over, good. that was good. Another beautifully shot scene is the. Lori, he opens the door. You see his hand, and Lori's there with a the gun. Like, but like beautifully like, done scenes. When they released that trailer, they had, and this is what I wanted to talk about too. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna hurry up so we can wrap this thing up. But, um, what I wanted to say too is like, at what point do we ding this movie for false advertising? Yeah, because the 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 preview for this movie is a whole different movie than the movie we they, got. They had marketed this movie. But other say, movies have done that before. I know. And it's it you tread that line so carefully of, I want to divert audiences' expectations when they actually come into the movie, but I'm also marketing this movie to be solely about the confrontation between Michael and Laurie and leading up there, that the whole first two acts of this movie are not about that. And it's a completely different movie than what was marketed. So at what point do we say we have kind of 
falsely advertised this movie and mismarketed it. Um, I don't know. I think that's a conversation for another day, but this is truly a weird movie. It's not bad. It's, it's not just bad. not a Halloween movie. And I, I do think that people are going to look back at this movie in 10 to 15 years and actually enjoy it for what it is. I don't want to say I didn't enjoy it. I just felt like I was watching such a movie, a movie that was so far removed from the Halloween franchise that to me, I don't even classify this as a Halloween movie. This is a coming of age movie about an up and budding serial killer with Halloween in the backdrop. Yeah, I would agree. That That's really what it is. So um, to kind of wrap it up, as we end our franchise viewing of Halloween and Halloween does truly end for us, Brie. This is the end of our uh, our experience with Michael Myers. So we tip our hat and we bid Michael a lengthy goodbye for the next few years until they reboot this thing again. Yep. Bye, Michael. Bye, Michael. Bye, Michael. It was fun. Miko. It was fun. We, uh, If we're reminiscent about our time with you, we have seen you get shot in the eyes multiple times. We have seen you get set on fire. We saw your dump truck in Halloween 6. We, we saw your head get completely We saw your off. head get decomposed. We saw multiple times you... One arming. One arm descend from the, the uh, rafters. Um, I still don't know how that happened, but I appreciate we've seen you walk through a door a couple times. I appreciate everything that you have given us, and it feels almost bittersweet to end you. season one of the review podcast and capping off the franchise we started with. The franchise we started with, and um, Anthony and I will be married. So yeah, so it's kind of uh, nice. As similar to when in this movie, Lindsay Wallace does a tarot reading for. Allison and she gives Allison the death card and she's like it doesn't mean death it means a, a new... chapter is closing and another one is reopening so for us a chapter is closing and one is the... opening up again so I hope you enjoyed season one of the review podcast um, we'll be sh- back in a few weeks we'll be back in a few weeks remember you can always get in contact with us um, at our gmail which is reviewpodcast1 at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at review underscore pod. Um, and you can follow Andy on Twitter for any updates at GLDTV1. And if you want to get a hold of me, you're going to have to reboot the whole franchise. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say you're going to have to create a movie in which you introduce me after I've not been in the previous ones. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been fun. Um, and can't wait to get holiday with you. Holidays. Holidays. All right. Let's cap this thing off. Uh, I'm Anthony. And I'm Bree. And this is the Review Podcast, end of season one. We'll be back in a few weeks. The Review Podcast. Yeah.